0: back hello hello
1: (laughs) happy new year happy
0: new year we are renewed we're refreshed we're new people (sighs) everything that was before is no longer exactly i'm I'm (laughs) relinquishing my new my uh, new personhood and debuting my (laughs) newest alter ego (laughs)
1: Yes, be, a new persona. A, a
0: new persona to be a power hungry, desperate uh <laughs> g- uh girl boss. <laughs> hopefully getting <laughs> hopefully getting a when new I, job soon.
1: <laughs> when I was at the bar the other night for New Year's, um, this the bartender was like, uh 2022 is gonna be the year of the Gemini. And I was like, thank God, like is I'm it, finally gonna
0: the year of the Gemini yes interesting
1: well yeah and I was like finally like I'm gonna get my day in the sun it's finally happening (laughs) But I wonder if it's because like 2022 is like like it's a double of 11 and it's like Uh, a dual like a duality of two
0: I'm I'm two 22 is actually my favorite number because I'm born on the 22nd of July and my brother is born on the 22nd of October and um my actual birthday is also my saint day because that's Mary Magdalene's day is July 22nd if I'm not getting that wrong and it was my obviously my name comes from that that's very strange, but yeah. I don't I just, I really love, I really love the number 22 and I'm not even like one of those people that are like, oh my gosh, d- this number guys, do you know what that means? Like, I'm not like that, that kind of superstitious really, but I do love 22. Like the, just the name, that's a sound. And I don't know. It's something to it. I just love 20, <laughs> 22. It's a good number.
1: <laughs> yes. And, and for, forget Taylor Swift, but yeah right yeah (laughs) but I want to circle back here (laughs) if I can use that phrase
0: yeah (laughs) you
1: were born on July 22nd
0: uh yeah
1: isn't that like mean doesn't that mean you're a Leo
0: it's on the cusp of like cancer and Leo some places you go they'll say like (laughs) cancer is to the 20th yeah so I'm you know, sometimes ah. I lean like between the two, but once again, a lot of duality there, like sometimes the more cancer than I am Leo, I'm definitely more, I feel like more cancer than I am Leo. Cause I'm very emotional. Um, and like you could say I'm an empath. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm on the, I'm on the cusp for sure.
1: I mean, I could definitely see you as a Leo cause you have very powerful, like energy and you seem I mean I haven't partied with you yet (laughs) but you do seem like the life of the party
0: yeah I definitely take the lead on a lot of different things in my life um but I think they come that like sort of like those uh desires kind of obviously come from like a place obviously that's very like soft and mushy and vulnerable so right. um yeah i don't know but i definitely feel more cancer on a day-to-day basis because um i'm always on the brink of tears i'm just kidding i'm always just like feeling the most feels like <laughs> i just started re-watching girls from the oh. beginning for probably like the third time but it's like so sentimental to me
1: I know it's and such a magical show. It's
0: really it is very spiritual and like it, uh, it just happened yeah. in the show happened at a place in my life where I was just like seeing a lot of things reflected back at me and I was like yeah. this is insane and like just how well the la- like the language and the dialogue is written it's like really on point.
1: <laughs> well that's why I've, I've been telling all my friends like post-college like that is the perfect show to watch because it's about these four young women navigating Mm post-college.
0: Seriously (sighs) Um, and then I also I also just finished Insecure which actually kind of reminds me of Girls in a way but it's it's more like it represents more of like what today is kind of but also sort of the same just like just girls being messy and sabotaging themselves because they have their own selfish desires and um that's a really really good show also five seasons it's really well written I think um and actually really funny <laughs> the jokes are really good in that show but yeah it just ended but yeah it was very good um anyways how wait we're you gonna say something no. <laughs> okay. no, I, was just gonna, no. I was gonna say how was your new year's
1: um it was so fun and chill like I, I went to uh, I went out with friends to this like French bar that we really like and I, we got free champagne at midnight and Yay. it was That's just like fun. a very nice vibe. <laughs> what was yours?
0: Uh, it was great. We didn't go anywhere. We just um, stayed inside and watched movies and we watched kind of like the live WGN feed which was very strange. I saw your
1: story it was so funny
0: it was really funny well the whole show leading up to it was just like a bunch of skits I was just so embarrassed because I'm like this is Chicago like we're supposed to be cool but we were just watching like WGN live and it was the weirdest like office Christmas video situation I'm just like dear lord like what's going on I but... its charms yeah no it was funny but a lot of it I was like what's happening here girls like oh my god but um, yeah no it's it's basically finally like winter for real here like December is usually pretty mild but uh, it just like snowed and it's really pretty and like Same now there. it's like yeah. yeah now it's solidly winter and like now it's like okay she's here um, but yeah that just,
1: mean, that, that just means that like we're in the site cy- like in the cycle we're like in death right now and like we're going to come out of this so much stronger
0: yeah I hope I think I mean I've been working uh, at the gym very hard these past couple of months. I, yeah so I think I'm uh, gonna hopefully. join
1: I, I think I'm gonna join like a hot sauna gym oh because I really want yeah. I really want to sweat this year mm-hmm. and I've heard that's really good for the skin I want to so.
0: sweat every. And I really want of me. Burn,
1: yeah, I really want to burn these calories. <laughs> yeah, <so>.
0: definitely. <laughs> I usually uh, go in the steam room of my gym like every time I go after a workout. Um, I just feel very like European, I feel very Swedish like going in exactly. there. Exactly. Like, it's like a, you know, it's like a thing over there. I feel like we need to have more saunas or something's like, I don't know. It just feels very luxurious and I just feel like a lot of other places they have saunas like casually or yeah what what is with that like in so many other uh, countries they have like bath houses steam houses and it's like is that not a thing like I, I, at least well, not where i live we don't have any like korean spa for 10 miles like
1: well and it it seems like gay men would always go to the bath houses before aids and yeah. then aids happened and now like, nobody wants to go to a bathhouse anymore, and they're, like, very hard to find. Yeah. I mean, I think that they're still there, but you have well, to, like, really seek them out.
0: Yeah, well, there's a gay bathhouse in my neighborhood, but, I mean, it's just kind of, it's, like, the only one, or at least one of the only one. like, I don't know, it's a very uh, fancy person thing, I guess. I don't know. I've obviously never been there.
1: <laughs> right, because, like, didn't Studio 54 used to have, like, a, like a bathhouse component to it
0: I'm sure some kind of shower bathtub situ- situation yeah like you don't
1: you don't see that at clubs anymore
0: no I, I, I don't, feel like at, at clubs what where's the that ba- yeah you know what that's what I'm gonna do next time I go to a club excuse me where's your uh bathtub <laughs>
1: I mean, like that would be the perfect place to it like because it's hot to get drunk and also to like just like chill. Yeah.
0: Your, and
1: and and maybe, you know, get, a little get it on. A little
0: slap <laughs> and tickle.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> That's weird. Well, yeah, no, I actually there is like a really fancy like bathhouse chain here and on, on the west side. And it's like one of those super weird. Like, it's decorated in, like, this Byzantine, like, Roman bathhouse style. It's, like, for... That's so nice. Oh, yeah. It is, like, it's for, like, rich people and also, like, people on their Mm. honeymoon or someone that, like, got a gift to do it. So, um, yeah, one of these days, um, I'll go get a massage or something. Well, maybe
1: that will be, like, part of your, like, wedding... (laughs) <laughs> ritual. Yeah. I, I, wedding yeah. ritual
0: yeah i am i am looking forward to that i have a lot of like festivities to prepare for but none of which i like asked for like i'm i don't even like know what this language is i'm like what's a bachelorette party like what is a shower like i don't understand but um it's it's all it's all happening <laughs> so, well
1: I'm very excited for it oh no I'm very it's, it's for gonna
0: you. be yeah and it's gonna be really fun so I'm really looking forward to it um yeah it's like I don't even think about it a lot but I know like it's coming so quickly I'll I'm just gonna like wake up one day and like oh shit like I have to go somewhere yeah um, yeah so oh, also you know what's really weird sometimes when I'm stressed out about something I will have a dream about like being in a play or like being on a show and forgetting lines.
1: Oh, the worst. yeah the worst.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Like that's a common theme for me if I'm in a place where I'm stressed out. I'm not now, but I just thought like every time I talk about this with Paul too, like anytime like we're stressed out about something, we always have dreams where like, oh, we're doing a show or we're preparing preparing some lines for something. <laughs> and then you get on stage and it like goes completely off the window or out the window and it's like the scariest thing to ever <laughs> experience
1: well, a wedding is kind of like a performance it's a oh, ritual yeah. of 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 your love for each well, other
0: yeah so I have had some wedding anxiety dreams I've had dreams where I show up the, to the wedding but I don't have a dress and I have Ooh. to get a dress like three minutes before I'm supposed to go on <laughs> or like I show up to my wedding and I'm naked and it's embarrassing or um, yeah, something crazy happens, but it's just like really funny because I'm like, oh, thank goodness it's it was just a dream, so it's not gonna that's not gonna happen.
1: Um, I wonder if there's like a connection because like the situation has very the situations have very similar weight probably, to them, yes. and like that's why you're having like like theater stress dreams.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of my dreams are also if I am worried or anxious about something it's usually sort of I guess it is like sort of like performance oriented like those those situations when you're going to like meet up with people or you're gathering for a party and then something bad happens or you bump into someone you don't want to see um yeah I think that's like a common thing for a lot of people that like when you're stressed about something you usually dream about something uh that happens when something happens where it's completely unprepared and you're not prepared for the thing that you're supposed to do so yeah, yeah. I have really vivid dreams every single night and uh I don't I don't know why this see, has been my has always been my mo
1: see I think that I mean I hate saying like this is my new year's resolution but I think it's going to be my new year's resolution that, that I'm going to take like the the inner psychology much more seriously this year I think that's mm-hmm. my goal in all my interactions with people and in myself like I want to take that like more seriously in how I interact with people <laughs> well, and, I, and I, I'm, what's the, I'm what's going what's the
0: reason what's the have you been like stomping on people's emotion <laughs> you know or what, I don't know I just <laughs> think
1: like I I want to get to the richness of human experience mm-hmm. more so I guess And so I'm, I'm going to like, I'm going to delve this year. I will delve into Mm. young and yeah,
0: yeah, definitely for sure.
1: I think that that's like going to be my goal.
0: Yeah, definitely. I feel like understanding psychology and uh, sometimes psychoanalytics, I think it does sort of make you a more empathetic person because you are sort of exposed to all these different pathologies, people, can inhabit so if someone's like kind of acting out then maybe you can just think like oh you know maybe they have mommy issues or they have (laughs) abuse of the child or they are psychologically disturbed
1: (laughs) I mean I and I don't want it to like be like uh to take the place of like I'm like giving them excuses no yeah but I just like want to like try to like like have a multi- uh lens view of the universe, I guess, and my and how people work, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I, I I still am gonna have high expectations of people, I guess.
0: <laughs> That's good. I yeah, definitely. I mean I, like definitely like people that you surround yourself with should always you should have high expectations. Um but yeah I don't know I don't have any I don't have anything to resolve because I'm perfect so um, but I have <laughs> not, God. I didn't even, uh, I didn't even think about it this year. No, I, <laughs> I don't have any, I no. my only, literally my only goal is to like get a new job, which what should be happening soon, uh, given everything, I don't know. I, I, it's like kind of like what we were talking about with Kyle, like the stars need to align. Like you can really only right. do so much to like stack up these, to get these ducks in a row, But just depending on the way the wind blows, like you never know, like coronavirus could happen or, uh, you know, you could get hit by a car or something, or maybe, uh, it doesn't always work out, but I, um, I feel, I feel pretty good about it. So, um,
1: but, and even in, uh, even in those setbacks, like that is what makes life like also very rich. Those experiences of, of trials and tribulations are what make you, um, more full
0: oh yeah yeah the other day i did a job interview and they emailed me the next day uh saying verbatim hey thank you for applying and taking the time to meet with us but we're gonna pass (laughs) has anybody ever like who in a professional email says we're gonna pass on you basically i just thought that was so weird Like, oh, like I can understand. I know that's a rude thing to say. Like, we're gonna pass. Just say, like, oh, we're going in a different direction or we're going, we've chosen to, you know, go somewhere like anything. (laughs) You could just don't say we're gonna pass on you. Like, right. But I just said next, like,
1: (laughs) right. You're not like a bowl of food. Like, no, exactly. Like, I don't want this. Like, like, oh, do you wanna
0: go to Chick fil A or so? I'm gonna pass on that. Uh, Oh my
1: God. Just say, yeah, we're going in a different direction or like, you know, you still have really great qualities, but like not what (laughs) we're looking for right now.
0: I just was like, I thought that it was really funny. Actually. I was like, well, that's great. But no, but yeah, other than that, like, I don't know if I have any, I guess I just want to have fun. Like that's literally what I want to do.
1: (laughs) That is the vibe of 2022. COVID be damned. Having oh, yeah fun is gonna be like that's what we're going to do.
0: Yeah, I'm literally just here for to have fun. so um, I had a little too much fun the other night. I had I drank no, I, I don't know. I had a weird hangover the other day where it weirdly felt good. like not that because I drank a lot of water the night before, even though I was drinking a lot. I drank a lot of water, like we spaced out our drinks and everything. And the next day I actually felt like pleasantly hungover like I don't know I was just I guess I was just sleepy <laughs> um but yeah it was so I, nice I the didn't best hurt myself. way to
1: start 2022 was with a hangover I yeah. said
0: yeah and I didn't hurt myself um yeah it, it was it was nice I just told the same story like over and over again like three times in a row <laughs> um wait what I just uh I, I was just like drinking and I like, kept telling that's a common thing I do I like, just tell <gasps> the same story like over and over again <laughs> okay because so me and alex and what me and paul and alex were watching um stanley tucci's exploring italy um, oh yeah and, on hbo and i uh was like joking and we were talking during it i was like oh haha like my i i was telling them i was like oh i'm stanley oh you're stanley tucci i'm gonna give you two cheeses on your pasta and like Alex was like that, that and Alex was like that's that was a good one and then I said it again like four minutes later because I really wanted to make sure people heard it and they were like okay Maddie like we get it and then I said it a third I said it a third time I was like oh Stanley Tucci I'm gonna you two cheese on your pizza it was horrible
1: you know I I'm actually like- had a moment just like that when I was in mm-hmm. France my that summer <laughs> I like I was on a, a river cruise and they started playing uh, New York State of Mind by Billy Joel as we were passing the Statue of Liberty
0: nice. <laughs>
1: and I was like oh my god that's amazing like <laughs>
0: how,
1: how clever like they're pl- and they're playing State of New York State of Mind oh my gosh, that's was, amazing <laughs> I kept saying it. I was so drunk too yeah like oh wow <laughs>
0: But that's, that's not well. That's actually cute. Like not me being annoying. Like guys, get it? Because no. Well,
1: no. I think I was annoying people at the okay. table when I was oh, doing yeah. it. So don't worry. It's it's yeah. probably a very annoying feature that we both have.
0: <laughs> I just have short-term memory loss. Maybe I don't know.
1: Well, and that's also very rem, uh, reminiscent of Alana Hames' character in Licorice Pizza. Because at the very beginning, he, like, he, like, comments on that she's, like, constantly repeating herself.
0: It took me a, a while to really hop on board to her performance, but I think halfway through the movie, I think maybe I you just, it. yeah, I you guess. see kind of more of her dynamic a little bit, but I really liked Licorice Pizza, yeah. I mean, I thought... um Cooper Hoffman was like so cute. I just wanted to give him a big old kiss. I know. He was so the adorable. So, the son
1: of Philip Seymour Hoffman. I know, just,
0: seriously. He was great. But,
1: and that's that was so like I know like like it's kind of nepotism, but like it was very nice. It feels very like sweet that
0: yeah.
1: uh Paul I Thomas Anderson see. cast yeah. him when Paul Thomas Anderson and Philip Seymour Hoffman had a very close relationship.
0: Yeah, I don't care about nepotism, babies. As long as you're talented, like if
1: I guess yeah, so, yeah. You know?
0: Like as long as you're, I don't care if people like are rich or whatever they have money. I'm like, just make something good. But I, I did, I did enjoy it. I thought it was a a great like love story, and I think it was mostly about like the opera If you have the opportunity, it's like love something. Don't stop like kicking the can, and you know. Thinking you're gonna go into like this crazy dream life, just like take the opportunity while it's there, you know. Yeah. Because because the last uh, scene when she's at the uh, dinner table with Benny Safdie and his like gay lover, she was like watching them argue, and she was that's like the moment where like she's like, oh shit, like some people don't have will never love or ha- ever have an opportunity to be in love. So like why why am I denying myself of this? And then she like gets up and runs to him. Um, yeah it was
1: cute yeah I did feel like we were being sold more nostalgia than anything like it it was just very heavy on like nostalgia and aesthetics um and it, and it had a like, it was a very like simple kind of story I guess yeah but I had I had fun while I watched it yeah. like I'm, but I don't it wasn't life-changing I guess yeah I mean it didn't me.
0: yeah it didn't uh, change my life but I did enjoy it and I kind of appreciated that it was long um and it, it demands that you kind of sit with the characters um and I, I liked that so yeah I thought it was like what action adventure romance you know I uh I laughed I cried it was beautiful I I did it
1: all I did I did love the part where they were like where she was like (laughs) like backing up like around the hills of Hollywood oh yeah that was cool I mean I hated Bradley Cooper's character I thought that that was just like that that scene between him and Cooper Hoffman really dragged on for like no reason
0: yeah there was I think that confused me a little bit maybe I'm just stupid but like I didn't Okay, like I was like, I get it, but what what's happening? I don't know. What's the relationship here? They're just gonna I don't I have no idea what going on, but yeah. I like and that also, scene.
1: I like that Alana has a lisp.
0: Okay, I think like this woman is beautiful. I would just say, like, she has um those like really wonky teeth where one of her front teeth is longer than the, the other one next to it. I think that is so hot. I just love like it's it's very rare i can like see a girl who has like really weird teeth. I don't know, it's something about like her look, her overbite, her nose. I think she's just really pretty and like she's just real looking.
1: Yeah, like that and that was like one thing that was nice is that they weren't like overdone in the makeup. Yeah. All were- all the actors.
0: Yeah. Um but yeah, i don't know. I i liked it. It was a fun little saturday outing, <laughs> but um Yeah. Have
1: you seen Magnolia?
0: Yeah I've seen it.
1: See Magnolia is like my favorite. Yeah
0: it's it's the best. It's one of the best one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. How do you
1: feel how do you feel it compares to Ligurge Pizza in Paul Thomas Anderson's Um,
0: I feel like every movie that he makes is completely different from the other one. Like I'm a huge fan of Punch. I love Punch Drunk Love but That's like obviously one of my favorites from him, but um, I think every single one is completely different. I think he transforms and reinvents the wheel every single time.
1: Magnolia just feels very epic to me.
0: It is epic, (laughs) (laughs) for sure.
1: And licorice pizza, and I guess like I went in with that expectation and licorice pizza did not feel that way to me at all.
0: Oh yeah, no, I mean, I feel like it had more sort of like a playful vibe. I mean, it feels like it. that one's not as like, I don't know, it is deep, but um, it's more, it gives you more like a, a wholesome deep. It just feels more like wholesome to me.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, but yeah.
1: So we move into
0: yeah, the all, tragedy
1: in. <laughs> of Macbeth.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah, I just saw this movie last week what well, last weekend um just paul and i went by ourselves and we saw it at the landmark down the street and it was really good i really enjoyed it um yeah macbeth with uh directed by um what's it with how do you pronounce his name is it leon it's, Le- i think leon? it's. I think Wait, it's, no. it's... <laughs>
1: i think it's joel, joel no cohen? joel
0: i don't know why i was forgetting his Which, first name
1: it's one of the cohen's no it's, actually
0: <laughs> is, it the, is it the other one i like i saw uh, it like five this... I, I saw it like five times
1: oh it is what joel the, it's joel okay that's right there's too many cohen's out there yeah
0: <laughs> there's a lot of them it's okay no um yeah joel cohen did this no I really enjoyed it a lot I thought it was a great winter movie it was very uh icy and foreboding and emo it is probably Definitely. yeah it was it's probably one of Shakespeare's most emo plays and it's the shortest of all of his tragedies and I just thought it was really well done I mean twenty four basically what they do is they do this thing where all of their movies are very maximalist disguised as being minimalist. So I just, I don't know, like all of their movies to me, are just like uh, they have this uh, air of minimalism but it is still like extremely flashy and expensive uh, that, that comes through. And, but I thought this movie was done really well because the themes are so grandiose and dark and it is the play itself is an emotional black hole (laughs) like it is very existential
1: yeah it's so for those who are not familiar with the tragedy of Macbeth it's takes place in Scotland and uh Macbeth is told by three witches that he's going to ascend to power as the king and he conspires with his wife, Lady Macbeth. Mm-hmm. To, She's also
0: ambitious and power hungry. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm.
1: To kill Duncan, who's mm-hmm. the king. Um, and it's about the turmoil, like the, the, the turmoil of killing and yeah. like the moral conundrum and spiritual conundrum that you find yourself in when you like do that to yourself.
0: Well, when you ascend to power basically. And yeah. It's like to me it's like it's all it's a play that's all about the uh double-edged sword the double-edged sword of ambition and human ambition because a lot of people, you know, let their ambition of uh, you know, fire them and like light a fire under their ass and then what they're kind of end up they they end up with is sort of a disaster by their own making (laughs) you know right the desire to ascend to professional or political power usually necessitates a lot of deceit on some level
1: right and that's why you should always be suspicious of anybody who wants power
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's why i stay in the trenches (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) but like it (sighs) Yeah, I it like, it warns against, because like they're never, like the witches never tell Macbeth that how he's going to ascend the power. They just say he is going to ascend the power. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting that his human psyche takes him to, <laughs> to murder.
0: Yeah, Lincoln. I mean, this really is sort of, it, this story is sort of a case study on abdication of moral responsibility and it is about people who push each other i mean especially macbeth and lady macbeth these this is a huge uh relationship where there's a reciprocity of power and they keep pushing each other further and further so macbeth can be, become king and remain in political power until it completely blows up in his face and now what he faces at the end is sort of a whole new fate by his own making. And that's kind of what the story is about. It is about futility and the the power that us as humans do have sometimes to take hold and take control of our own fates uh, because we don't want to meet a fate that is given to us, you know, without our say or without our agency. But sometimes when we do (laughs) take hold of our own agency, we meet a completely different fate that's done by our own hands. Um, So it is kind of about, you know, arising and succeeding into power and denying all moral responsibility and how much, you know, moral responsibility, you know, can you really, how, how moral can a person be when they are, you know, evil, powerful, billionaire, you know, keeper basically (laughs) and
1: and and that nothing like once you like it's like on the outside looking in like you have this one perspective but then once you even get there and like what you do to get there like it's a whole other story and then you have a new weight of responsibility that you didn't really imagine that you would have yeah
0: you're like oh wait I'm at a point of political power like everybody else wants to be but that means I need to be a meanie <laughs> you know right and then <laughs> like, and people then, don't understand sometimes till and, the then,
1: and then once you get in that power you start to feel threatened that you're gonna lose that power yeah you know I mean because like Macbeth feels threatened by Bankwell and so then he ends up killing his own friend
0: oh yeah and I do feel like the witches in the story uh, sort weirdly represent ambition in that way. You're sort of seeing this fantasy image of you being the chosen one to rise to power and to live a very um, successful and uh, royal, very regal life and legacy. But what he um, doesn't understand and what makes Banquo a little more virtuous is the first time they do see the witches tell this prophecy, Macbeth, is seduced by it and seduced by the idea of him uh rising to power and he's very greedy for this power and Banquo kind of sees the evil in the witches and understand that like this is not good like I don't know about this like they they kind of greet the witch the witches and uh in in this way Macbeth is definitely not as redeeming as Banquo is because he is like super seduced by like the the prospect of his own legacy and the prospect of his own uh, wealth and um, power and uh, you know, like the, the the title of being the king and everything. Um, and he's he's bas- he's selfish for that, and he is uh, yeah he's pa- basically paid for it in the end.
1: <laughs> yeah, I thought the film was. Fine. like I enjoy I quite enjoyed like the coldness of the film and how like sparse the set was um my biggest complaint about the <laughs> film was Denzel Washington
0: okay <laughs> I liked Denzel I thought he was good
1: well what did you like about him
0: <laughs> I I liked that his his cadence his um, aggression and anxiety—you could see it underneath him. Because in order for Macbeth to keep going and, uh, you know, put put aside any guilt that he has for killing anyone, he has to like, sort of like push it down and let it fester inside him. So he does sort of have this like front and this wall that's like built. He builds up in the movie. And I don't know, I just like the underlying aggression that you could see in his character. And I also like, even he's very like such a force of nature, a powerful led leading man that it's it just made sense to me. And with the mood of the film, it just made sense that it was sort of like quieter and steely and brooding. Cause it oh. is a very emo, <laughs> it's an emo play. <laughs>
1: It's all True. about like,
0: it's all about being emo and being like, oh, what what about my fate? What is my, I'm, I want to take control of my own fate, my own destiny, you know?
1: But see, I like wanted to see it on his face. Like I wanted, and I wanted to see it in his body. Like I want, mm. I, which is what I got in Throne of Blood and yes. uh, why yeah. I quite enjoyed it much more mm-hmm. because like I was actually seeing that, the, the macbeth character was like being affected by the 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 <laughs> the, 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 the like the morality of it and yeah. like how his spirit was going to be affected by it and like we like we kind of don't really
0: yeah you don't really see that until like you don't see the pressure cooker of macbeth really explode until basically the very end
1: yeah end, and movie, like where, yeah i always the way i've always understood macbeth was that like after he commits all these murders to get power he starts mm-hmm. to unravel a little yeah, bit yeah he
0: does well i i could see him unraveling in the court scene where he's uh, seeing the um like the the birds and he's like basically chasing those yeah, yeah when he sees
1: banquo yeah
0: yeah um yeah. I don't know. I, to me, I thought like the whole movie was, I, I really enjoyed it. And I liked the very minimalist set design. I thought it was just pretty to look at and. Oh my God. Um, yes. Yeah. Just like all the, dra- the dra- like the drama, the, the drama of it all. I, it was very dramatic. Just like the black and white. Like, of course it was just perfect.
1: <sighs> yes. I felt when I like the, when I saw the image of Lady Macbeth standing on the cliff after when she's like sleepwalking, I felt that that, belong, that image belonged in an art museum. Like it was just stunning to look at. And honestly, like I would have rather have late, like Frances McDormand, like play all the characters in Macbeth, like, cause she, <laughs> I thought she was like one of the best in the film.
0: Um I thought she was really good. My favorite performance was from what's her face who played the witches. Oh yes, um, her too. Yeah, I thought she was. Well, I guess I I just liked the way that they did the witches. It was like the reflection on the pool. That was very scary. Was standing, yeah. It was just really spooky. I just thought all the witch and I think that's like one of the best It's basically the huge selling point of Macbeth that a, a lot of it is, has like these very superstitious and um, like prophetic themes to it about like just the evil of black magic and how you know dabbling in to taking control of you know your own destiny is bad generally or can be bad uh, and I just think the those scenes were really fun and I, I liked the, like the, the little like ravens because um, it wasn't too much like it wasn't like over the top like conjuring like scary it was just like just enough for it to be very off-putting and uh just very foreboding and like very spooky
1: um and yeah. you kind of see the like androgyny of the witch like mm-hmm. it's it's very pal- like very paya esque like because camille Paya talks about how like prophet uh characters often are androgynous and Mm -hmm. in this film they very much played that up which I really liked a lot
0: yeah I mean when you go into a department store and you see like two you see an old couple like who's the one in the couple that's like saying like no you can't buy that like I'm gonna just like running the whole show like anytime I go to the grocery store with my fiance I basically just run the show (laughs) like yelling like no, we're not buying tricks this time, you know. Um, but yeah, no, it's always like old women that should be playing uh, playing witches because as women age, they become more um, you know, prophetic and uh, screeching and powerful because they own everything, they run the whole situation. So, um, and yeah, I thought she was great. And yeah, it was like overall very spooky.
1: What was the actress's name? I just,
0: I, I, I just looked it up but I think she's like a teacher my... yeah too I think she, she's of... been in some other things
1: yeah there was like so many Harry Potter actors in this film it was
0: there really was really
1: yeah <laughs> it was really it was kind of overwhelming
0: <laughs> although like I hate Catherine that like Hunter okay yes that's what her name was I hate that like okay, it's only because Harry Potter is such a huge franchise that a lot of actors have just been in it. I just feel right. bad for a lot of these other actors that have done so many other things aside from Harry Potter. The main selling point is like, oh, it's the guy from Harry Potter. Like, <laughs> you know, right. like I don't think of, um, what's his face? I don't know, any of the Harry Potter. Daniel Radcliffe? Not even, well, not Daniel Radcliffe, he's Harry Potter, but all the second, any <laughs> secondary Harry Potter actor, I don't really think of them as like, oh, the guy from Harry Potter, you know?
1: Gotcha. Yeah. Do you remember when Daniel Radcliffe starred in Equus and it was like a big controversy because he was nude on stage?
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, you, you have to admit like it sells. Like <laughs> it I, does. Would have gone. I actually and- saw him and how to succeed in business on, on Broadway. He was very good. I bet. He was very, I, very small, very short man.
1: I believe that too. Very,
0: very <laughs> small, short, stocky man. But um, very, very nice. Well, he was, he's a good performer. He's a good actor.
1: Cause his family's like Jewish, right? I believe.
0: I have no idea. <laughs> I don't think so. First time I'm hearing about it. <laughs> Um, um but no Macbeth like this Macbeth I felt like was really good it was just simple I liked the minimalism of it um I'm pretty yeah so I'm pretty sure it was the the aesthetic uh, like the visuals were sort of a callback to the Kurosawa uh, Throat of Blood movie I don't know if someone just told me that but um that but I really liked it I really enjoyed it I think it was done really well it's just it's supposed to be like this very icy and uh, anxiety inducing uh, ascend to power and then you, he basically gets killed in the end um, and I really liked the little touch at the end where He's going, uh, for his, <laughs> he's going for his—he's going for his uh, crown because his crown gets knocked over, and the minute he like goes to reach for his crown, Macduff like basically stabs him, kills him, and then uh, he like carries his head um, back to everyone, and um, yeah, that that was cool to me. I thought it was—I like—I love I the fighting. I love the fighting scenes were really good, um, although the the scene where Macbeth dies, I. Felt like it was kind of, it was done kind of quickly. Like it was probably like a, I don't know, to me, it just it felt like a five minute fight scene. I I wanted like a long death. I like a really long dramatic death. Kind right, of like- You want to see yeah. some struggle. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, when you watch Throne of Blood, this guy is being pelted by- oh a whole but like all of these uh arrows and he's like climbing all over like these stairs and like running up and down this building trying to avert these arrows and he just slowly gets pelted and hit in the the chest and the face and the neck slowly and surely and then he like slowly dies um i i really liked that part in throne of blood um but i think what the thing about throne of blood and why i do like that movie a lot is because a lot, of the, a lot of the acting style was based off of no theater, which is traditional yeah. Japanese theater. And if you've ever seen a recording of like a no theater performance, it's extremely intense and very off-putting. You don't understand what's happening, but there's just like a very, very melodramatic acting style um, and very intense. And obviously that really comes through in the film.
1: I love the way Lady Mac- the Lady Macbeth character in Throne of Blood like walks. She looked like a fish while she was walking in that in her regalia. It was oh it yeah, was very beautiful.
0: <laughs> I really liked that. Like the, I don't even know what it's called, but I had to do something like her this kimono.
1: Like, yeah, her kimono.
0: Yeah, well, her kimono and like there's a way that like, you have to walk. Uh, I don't know because I was in like a play where I was like playing this Japanese woman there's like a certain way that you have to walk um but anyways it was like yeah it was very like this very demure but very powerful and almost kind of scary I feel like Lady Macbeth should be very scary as a character because she's just sort of she's also equally as wrapped up in her own uh thirst for power and legacy as much as Macbeth is and Honestly, she's sort of driving the boat in this play. Like, she really is a huge driver of what happens. Um, And I think that really comes through in a lot of Shakespeare's uh, plays. All of the women are in Shakespeare are very, um, you know, power hungry. And this is a huge thing. And like, Antony and Cleopatra, like, the women really drive the boat politically in a lot of these tragedies. you know, they, the men and the women sort of, like, walk hand in hand with the, ascent, with the ascension to power, so, um, and yeah, obviously, you could definitely see that in uh, the Frances McDormand performance.
1: Yeah, she was, like, very, like, stern, and she, she does a little bit of the, like, Uh, we must keep a strong front but like her wither like her unraveling was much more entertaining to watch
0: yeah I mean definitely I feel like the the ladies in the A24 film they definitely sort of stole the show more than the men did a little bit in yeah in this production I felt like the women in this film were much more magnetic I was a lot more drawn to them and the men in Macbeth they were a little more demure I definitely think yeah Denzel had a very broody demure demure performance but I didn't really mind I really liked it Um, and I felt like his performance and like both of their characters it brought like this very important contrast to their relationship dynamic Um, so that That was, like, really powerful. You could sort of feel that tension between them.
1: I had, like, never made this connection in Macbeth. But, like, uh, (laughs) when Macbeth, after he's killed Duncan, he says, like, sleep no more, sleep no more. Like, then after uh, Lady Macbeth is, like, doing the, like, uh, what's it called? Her sleepwalking scene. Yeah. She looks straight at the camera and says, to bed. And like I was just like that it like hit me so hard when I was watching and there's something really interesting about dreaming in this play I think. Uh,
0: Dreaming having visions of grandeur having daydreams being distracted by your dreams.
1: Uh, How they can like lead to your downfall. Yeah
0: having visions and leaning into your own visions and Yeah, basically how yeah you can basically be a prison to your own image a little bit. Because
1: because you have to have some tether to reality or else like bad things will happen.
0: Yeah, I think that's what makes this movie very long lasting, like steadfast thematically because we're all sort of being pulled into this fake world where our vision is, our visions of ourselves are being inflated and it's completely untethered to the reality of our actual everyday waking lives. Um, yeah. And we sort of have the human ability to have extremely inflated egos to the point where we basically stomp on everybody we love because we want to be cool so badly.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, honestly, I, now that I think about it, this is the perfect play film to watch around new years <laughs> cuz you're like it is. As, you're, as you're seeing like th- these ambitious people go for what they want and then like it totally backfires on them
0: yeah i mean <sighs> and i mean it's what hap it's what happens eventually to every ambitious powerful person because eventually they do meet a fate of their own making and they are the manufacturers of their own demise, even though the whole reason you set out to ascend in power in the first place is so that you can take hold and maybe make a life for your own, but everybody dies at the the end. And I think this this play is like one of Shakespeare's most, uh, you know, existential uh, plays because it's all about how life is such a, a flash, before your eyes, it's it means it's supposed to mean something. We're looking for it to mean something, but at the end, it you know it basically fizzles out, and you'll you'll basically die and be forgotten <laughs> in the end. We'll all fade into obscurity. But I mean, obviously that um, is, that theme like really comes out in the the sol- soliloquy when um, he says life is but a walking shadow. Um, that soliloquy when he says how. We're poor players that like strut and fret upon the stage and then we're heard no more. Um, mm. And yeah, he says, it's a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. And uh, yeah, cause I feel like, you know you can signify certain things when you ascend to power or you can claim that you want to signify certain morals or virtues in your waking life. But at the end of the day, you know what does it really mean in the long run? especially if you're only tied to an inflated version of yourself, um, you know, doesn't, it, doesn't it mean anything, um, and I feel like that is, like, such a, that's soliloquy is very haunting, because he just, like, basically says, like, okay, we're all people that, like, strut onto the world stage and, like, pontificate on what we believe in, um, but then when we die, nobody's around to hear us or really care, and it's, like, such a, a fool's errand sometimes at the end of the day. <laughs> um, right. But yeah, yeah, I mean it's a play that's all about power and ambition and how you have to be deceitful to do that. Well, and basically why.
1: Also, yeah. <laughs> I li- I like how the play bends towards justice though. It does. At, the end, at the end like Malcolm right? Malcolm gets the gets the crown back. his rightful place yeah, on he does. the in the lineage
0: yeah and so also what's weird about what's interesting about this play when it was written this was during the jacobian age so oh, this was during yeah. king james the 1st and um in this way this is started this was when Uh, the theme of usurpation and people usurping the throne started to become such a huge prominent theme in Shakespeare's plays because King James sort of uh, usurped the throne off the heels of uh, so before the Jacobean who came before King James? Elizabeth. Oh yeah yeah (laughs) anyways (laughs) anyways this uh this play was sort of um reflecting what was happening during that time politically, but it was also written for the court of King James. And it's really interesting because the themes of ambition and deceit and how you can be the maker of your own disastrous horrible demise it's done more anecdotally than it is polemically so we're sort of seeing this tale of this man ascending into power deceitfully as an anecdote for the contradictions of power and ambition and um, you can really see that play out in the character in Macbeth's character arc and his eventual uh, fate at the end it's not super polemical it's more just sort of a case study in uh, political uh, aspirations and that's sort of what I liked about it that it had this very like haunting it has always had this very haunting vibe to it
1: (laughs) well yeah like I was just going to say like the the mythology of this play there's a lot of superstition (laughs) that surrounds it and follows it wherever it goes which I quite like that it's like that insider theater kind of thing that like theater people are very superstitious about this play I'll I'll never forget in high school we we were doing this play that wasn't even it wasn't even Macbeth it was like a whodunit mystery Sherlock Holmes type, type of play and Macbeth is referenced in the like the literal yeah. t- title Macbeth is referenced in the play. And my drama teacher said said the line in like you know after like rehearsal w- during notes, said the line. <laughs> and this person in the cast lost their shit.
0: Uh oh, nerd alert. <laughs> 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 exactly
1: I was like I and I was not aware of at the time of this like uh, this superstition of saying Macbeth in the theater but my god like the neuroses really <laughs> popped out
0: he is yeah he should uh, who not be named or whatever who should not be named <laughs> yeah whatever. yeah
1: and my my theater uh, teacher had to like do like like three Hail Marys and like oh
0: my god no on the stage no I, well yeah yeah that's hilarious I mean I am not like I feel like the thing about Macbeth is that it is in itself about like the superstition about uh, the possible about how anything is possible but not everything is permissible so hmm. I think you know anything could be possible I could like grow up to, or I'm 27 but I'm I could like age to become like the president of the United States or I could be like own a huge company but there are contradictions of that and the possibility of everything falling down by our own hands and it completely crumbling to bits that is sort of superstitious and scary because it's about the uh, future that we don't know about yet until we meet it and it's like scary. because like nobody, you know, no one really knows what's going to happen or how how you're going to die. Um, no one likes to think about it because we all sort of want to live um, not thinking about it at all. <laughs> so
1: exactly. yeah, that,
0: that theme of death like really does like come through so much and just our fates in general. Um, yeah, we don't want to, we don't want to really think about it, but we're so motivated by the prospect of, avoiding death by making our own legacy and trying to live forever (laughs) which won't happen even if we do have like a long legacy um but yeah I was never I've never really been suspicious about like Macbeth like saying I don't know for me it's just it was never a huge theater kid of mine to be suspicious in that way but I do believe in ghosts and I do believe that um being a thespian in general is a very dangerous profession uh, because people do get really hurt and people have like gotten seriously injured on stage and like dying just because of practicality reasons, just because there's well, so many practicals.
1: <laughs> and isn't that why people find Macbeth so uh, like superstitious is because like during the production of Macbeth, a guy, the guy playing Macbeth actually got stabbed.
0: Oh, yeah, and so many things have happened, like, at that, um, I mean, there's been so many different stories, but I think in general, uh, it's just all all around just, like, a dangerous thing to do to put on a play, because you're running around in the dark a lot with, like, big metal objects bumping into people, there's just so many <laughs> reasons, right. like, well, opportunities for things to go wrong.
1: And it's a Dionysian art, so.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely, I mean, we're, we're
1: prone to intoxication.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Intoxi- crazy people, intoxicated, and violence, violence yeah. you know, just just a lot of opportunities for things to go wrong. And um, yeah.
1: But that's why you have to be like a strong-willed person to be an actor almost. Like you have to have a very strong backbone.
0: You, you have to have thick skin and a really, really strong back backbone. And you have to sort of not, have you have to undergo sort of an ego death and be very uninhibited at the drop of a hat basically you have to like peel back all of your ego all of your insecurities and kind of throw them out the window and be like so on un- it like uninhibited essentially and just be very natural um but That's,
1: yeah, improv yeah. Improv, yeah, improv is <laughs> But
0: I feel, I feel like the will to be very uninhibited, it sets you up for a lot of humiliation, embarrassment, and a lot of people are afraid of that, um, which is fine. But I think just being privy to a lot of rejection, you eventually, it just doesn't affect you anymore.
1: Right. It's like, how do you, how do you have self-respect and be an actor or right. a theater person?
0: Right,
1: John Didion.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. You kind of have to suicide bomb people with the likeness of your image, but then like have sort of a private part of you that takes care of the right. things you don't want exposed. But everything else is just like to the wind. Like, just please, like you just have to like spam people with your image, <laughs> likeness of your image. Um, but. Damn. Yeah, but, but it is that is interesting on the topic of Macbeth is that we sort of all have some sort of aspiration for pa- not even power, but maybe some sort of recognition for the likeness of our image or our talents. And I think this play is like just a really good uh, anecdote of what happens when it completely all goes wrong Uh, Because eventually when you do like join the ranks of maybe upper class or whatever, you do lose things and you lose friends along the way, maybe sometimes, or you lose just some sort of connection to where you come from. Um, I think it is like a very common, very normal thing to experience as a person, like just as your life changes and you enter different professions or maybe you ascend to a certain class or something.
1: Yeah. Heed our warnings for 2022.
0: Seriously. (laughs) As you make your
1: New Year's resolutions, people. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like, I remember I used to work at an ad agency. I wanted to be cool so badly. Like, because I wanted to be cool, like, I alienated every all of my friends and like ruined so many of my relationships cuz so i was like i just want to be cool like these cool people but it all came tumbling down at the end cuz so i got fired so
1: <laughs> you were the original emily in paris
0: i really was that really that experience was sort of what it was like I mean they just were speaking speaking <laughs> of
1: emily in paris uh jeremy o'harris is on the new season <laughs> <laughs> and he plays a fashion designer like a uh, Karl Lagerfeld kind of type of fashion designer was he
0: was he a writer for for that i thought he was like a had a writing or he was a writer on the writing team i don't i don't know maybe i
1: I, it. I don't maybe i, have no
0: idea.
1: I didn't but I I haven't haven't, his name listed as a writer. i haven't
0: uh, i haven't seen it yet
1: though uh, i think you should watch it It might look close to home but <laughs> I think you would like it.
0: (laughs) I just hate it when people tell me I look like her. I'm like, okay, it's just another white girl with big eyebrows. I do not look like her. Like she has a completely different face shape than I do. Her, Her face shape is very like long and like skinny. And my face shape is like a perfect circle. Basically, I look like a marshmallow. Um, I mean and if
1: anything you look more like Rachel Ziegler now so
0: yeah perfect that's fine I'll, I'll take <laughs> that. I, I like her she's more more youthful look definitely um
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: um but yeah I don't but yeah I, I really enjoyed Macbeth I thought that just the performances were really fun and um it was appropriate it, just the length was appropriate. I liked the death scene. I liked it when he dies. Um, it was very dramatic. Yeah.
1: I may be such a dumbass, but at the very beginning when they're talking about the fighting, I literally have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> like I, between the different factions, I have like no
0: oh, this is when. Understanding. Uh, this is when he's talking about like the battle that they just came from. I'm pretty sure
1: yeah Cause they and, couldn't because like, tra- they
0: couldn't show the I mean when you're doing a play they couldn't show the battle and the thing so right. I'm pretty sure that I don't know I, I, for, I totally like a, forget I yeah the beginning is a little like in sort of like uh, not anticlimactic but you just you kind of like are like thrown into the world like you're like wait what the hell's happening but I mean they have right. to say it because it's in the it's written in the script so
1: right yeah. it's like literally Macbeth truly starts for me when the witches come
0: yeah I mean there's Banquo like is uh but he's he's like his sort of like not like right hand man but like they're both like um fellow like soldiers together um so they're sort of like buddies and I think they're just like walking coming off the heels of like a battle or something um I totally, I totally forget. But anyways, yeah, that's that's what's supposed to be happening. Um,
1: yeah, and like that's where I feel like you could start. Macbeth is with him <laughs> meeting the witches.
0: Yeah, and I would,
1: and I wouldn't lose anything.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I just, I totally forget what's supposed to happen. I mean, obviously, because it's a play, so they they don't show it. But yeah, they are talking about um, a battle of some sort. Um, I guess just to establish their relationships, like what the relationship Macbeth has to Banquo, um, but yeah, he's a fellow. Yeah, Banquo is an army captain. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but I don't know. I did you go ahead? Oh no, I wasn't. I wasn't going to say anything.
1: Okay. <laughs> did you notice how like both? Throne of Blood and the Tragedy of Macbeth like really like hone in on like the use of mist and fog.
0: I think that is why they use so much fog in this. I I because there is like so much fog in um Throne of Blood, and they actually filmed Throne of Blood uh on a mountain, and it oh, really? took so long to Film, I'm pretty sure I'm getting this right. It, they filmed it like on the side of a mountain. It like took them so long to actually film it correctly because there was so much mist around and it was just like the weather was just like a pain. Uh, but so it was very, unintentional. It was sort of unintentional, but it's all, also where it they works. filmed it. it. It works. It's very picturesque. So yeah, I'm pretty sure that's why <laughs> there's a lot of uh, mist, but it, it totally works for the play because it's uh, scary. <laughs>
1: It is very scary and brooding and yeah. It really like
0: puts me, it's so moody. Like it really puts me in in a mood, like whenever there's. Yeah. uh, And also like. A mood to murder. Yeah. And mist and like fog (laughs) kind of almost like represent what is beyond you that you're unable to see. Like your future. Interesting, yeah. So that, I guess it kind of makes sense in that way. I mean, there definitely is a lot of fog and mist in Macbeth the h
1: 24 movie for sure when I was like talking I saw it with a friend and we were talking and they said that um the set reminded them a lot of like Robert Emin Jones are you familiar with Robert Emin Jones the dramatic imagination no he's all about like very sparse brutalistic yeah brutal kind yeah, of, brutalist, yeah kind of uh designs he was he's like a a scenic designer for theater and that's that that's what I was like oh yeah like I totally see because like the entire time Mm -hmm. that I was watching it I was like totally like I could not put my hand on like what the style of the film was. I just like couldn't figure out like what it was that they were doing. Like it because like there were moments that it felt very like European art house to me. Mm
0: -hmm. I mean that's what they sort of try to do a little bit not with all of their movies but like some of their movies it is sort of like this sort of art housey like we're appealing to the like backpack filmmaker young person type like oh yeah like hello like (laughs) hello fellow kids sort of style but I I really like I like it sometimes when it's done well I I like the way it's done I liked how it was done in this movie and to me it did I think you were right it did remind me a lot of the Waiting for Godot movie, um, just like with the minimalism and how like sparse and stripped down it was visually. Um, and I think it's appropriate for the play because it, Macbeth is all about negative space to me. And that's also why I think it does well in black and white because it is all about huge black holes of, what's beyond your present reality. So to me, I'm like, okay. To me, it just sort of made sense, like the aesthetics and everything.
1: Yeah.
0: It's just like such an emo, emotional black hole of nothingness and your yeah. your future just coming more and more faster towards you. And you're like, oh my God, like what the, what am I supposed to do? Should I do something? But if I do something, it, it could all just go wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
1: my, my like prediction for 2022 is that A24 is going to like crash and burn this year.
0: Uh that's
1: hopefully before uh, on earth were briefly gorgeous comes out.
0: Yeah, I mean that's I I don't know. I don't have any short-term predictions. I just have long-term predictions that a lot of things will come tumbling down if they have not already. Um and I'm very much looking forward to that. But I think sort of thinking about the future and like spending time thinking about the future or maybe daydreaming about, well, what, do you, you know sometimes I feel like, oh, maybe is this an, an escape? Cause I want to escape from my humanity, you know like sometimes I think like, oh, should I go and go to this juice store on my corner and then like, I'll get a green juice. And then I think like, oh, do I want this green juice to release me from my humanity? Like. <laughs>
1: or I right. go I'll
0: go shopping and I'm like ooh do I want this shirt cuz I am trying to escape my humanity <laughs> you know like i think sometimes our desires are uh, supposed to are you know just objects that we latch on to to distract ourselves from our you know human uh, feeble and feebleness and like vulnerabilities and just oh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. So may as well um, get a like a ginger kale juice or something, <laughs> you know? So. Well, that's so
1: interesting because like I read I read this interview with Bong, Bong, Bong chu Ho, the German philosopher.
0: Yeah, I have one yeah. of his books. I have the, pal- the Palliative Society. It's like kind of a, about COVID and stuff. It's pretty good.
1: Yeah, he yeah. talks about like, he has a new book coming out and I should send this to you. He has a new book coming out where he talks about like how objects have lost any kind of like weight and meaning in our lives and that like data and information are like taking that place but like mm-hmm. the problem with data and information is that like it's like ephemeral and it could easily go away tomorrow mm-hmm. and it's constantly changing yeah and it's,
0: it's very speculative because if you that- have a a chunk of data it only tells you so much information about maybe this demographic or this people that we got data from or that we bought from and I mean all of the tech companies that I've ever worked at I mean basically every tech company is not really a tech company like if they are a service so if you're like Rubhub or Uber like these are technically like service companies, but a lot of what they do is just harvest data and sell it. (laughs) At least like most of the companies I've worked at is basically they have a service, but they also have this huge pool of information that they have gathered from doing their service. And then they just basically make most of their money by selling data and stuff. And it's very spooky because then what happens is that there's this domino effect of people selling data people taking that data selling it again selling it to another consultancy i don't know it's just insane like how much your information is basically exploited <laughs> essentially yeah. i and, want i want
1: i want my yeah. i want my money i want my i want yeah it.
0: where's that coin <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, i worked
1: very hard to exist yeah. so yeah
0: <laughs> but i i do uh, yeah I'll, I'll look into that but i do think he is right it's that objects may or may not like mean anything anymore i feel like it's kind of a like objects are sort of like the low tier commodity right now like the highest tier of commodity is just data and information because that's how you get power like once you just have all of the information i guess like as this like stupid like dumbed down analogy, like maybe I had a business and I just didn't know the right people to sell it to. Well, if you have just a huge log of like people that are perfect for that product, you can just hop all of your <laughs> advertisements at them. I mean, which is how most things are sold anyway. Is that through targeted yeah. ads? So um, it totally makes sense, but which is weird because yeah, I don't know. It, it may, yeah, it is kind of like the last bastion of like power is like information and like data because yeah then you just can do anything it's like it is sort of like a magical disgusting mystical power spell (laughs) to like cast over people yeah so so you can like uh you know dangle goodies in front of their face while they wait for their youtube
1: (laughs) (laughs) right and wasn't it kind of weird in the film when like he does the is this a dagger I see before me and there literally wasn't a dagger in front of
0: mm-hmm. him yeah <laughs> like, that's, what, that's,
1: what, what, what am I to make of that
0: <laughs> well because that's because he thinks because he thinks like this is what my my uh, future is going to be you know like that he is he is very enchanted by this prospect of his own legacy and like his own ascension to power. So, I mean that, that makes sense because it it is just all about people's delusions. Like people are so delusional. And what's really um, scary to me is that some people really do ascend into certain classes and certain ranks of power just on their personality solely. Um, that's why everyone is an actor to me because. Just use their charm and personality. And I've met some people that have such enigmatic personalities that you can really tell that they just skated by being charismatic. Like,
1: and they know absolutely nothing. They knew
0: absolutely nothing, but they knew just the right things to say and the way to treat people emotionally that they were just able to manipulate and, or render their coworkers and their um, successors to be very malleable, and they're just able to pick pick at the ego in this very pathological way. People just sort of get by by their own charisma, um, which is uh, scary because it's something that's f- sort of free. I mean, if you're blessed with like a sociopathic like personality, you can like really do like. So I mean, that's what that's kind of why like a lot of. Um, consultancy like agencies have all of these like or even like uh motivational speakers like they have all these like snake oil salesmen (laughs) classes where like you can just
1: scourge of motivational speakers yeah deal with right now yeah
0: like like a hundred ways like to be like an irresistible person like you know how to how to completely land the deal or land the sale just on your personality alone you know
1: although i will say that uh Brene Brown's The Gifts of Imperfection really did get me through in college
0: okay well I I need to look into that I've I've heard a lot about about her but I mean just because she's everywhere I've never read a single thing from her right Um, well
1: and she her, her, like she herself falls into like motivational speaker yeah that's
0: what that's what I gather from her that she's sort of like you can do anything
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. but And, like, and she really centers, like, emotion and, like, empathy. And, just... yeah. A I lot mean, of annoying people have really, like, taken her on and, like, really, like, make her their new religion, it seems.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think she's just, like, one part of, like, a huge class of, like, people in psychology and stuff. Um, yeah. I don't know. I... Recently, I mean, I have, okay, so I recently have been listening to, like, really cheesy and motivational, um, like, s- speeches, like, just random ones on um, pod, on, like, random podcast episodes and stuff. But I mostly listen to, like, sort of, like, Christian-oriented, motivational speeches but they don't really have anything to do with like your career or like what to do it's just mostly like no matter what's going to happen like no matter what happens it's going to be okay so I guess not like motivational I guess more like uh pseudo like sermons I guess right (laughs) or like like, just
1: like centering you I guess a little bit
0: (laughs) it's usually (laughs) while I'm like doing dishes I'm just like I need something to listen to to like get me through this um but yeah I don't know I think sort of Macbeth represents the part of us that wants to see the things in front of us that we want like spoon fed to us a lot and us sort of like falling into that and just like you know the suggestion that everything's going to be okay even if we do become like very famous and powerful that it's all going to work out perfectly and we're not going to feel guilty whatsoever had you know for like, you know, kicking everyone else to the curb.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like you gotta, you gotta stay curious and as Dasha says, stay vigilant.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it could literally all come crumbling down at any time. I feel like I feel very downtrodden sometimes. And, but I feel like if any sort of like, power or fame or money just fell into my lap so quickly in life without me having to do anything, I'd probably be a huge psychopath, a very disturbed person. Yeah. That's why I, That's why I stay in the trenches where I belong.
1: <laughs> well, as I said, like, it's good to be tethered to some sort of reality. Oh,
0: yeah, exactly. And that's why I like the most evil, disgusting billionaire people who do like they basically live in a fake superficial world essentially um and it's not tethered to any reality which is like spooky because all of the most like powerful people like in politics and stuff they're not part of like the actual everyday reality of what it's like to be a person or like a normal a normal person um so yeah that that totally like rings true in the play and it's yeah it's just such a a timeless piece basically um and it's all it's really good because i feel like we do live in a culture where we're very incentivized to lean into our ambition and presume that our yeah, yeah yeah we presume that our ambitions are completely valid that there's no contradictions to our ambitions and even if we achieve what we set out to do, that there'll be no problems. Everything's just gonna, you know, come together perfectly. Um, And I think, you know, sometimes like ambition, you know, is like a huge double-edged sword. Like you can do, people do so much. People kill people with their ambition. People have have ambitions to take over the planet, to like kill, yeah, to murder people for what they want. So,
1: or inflict yeah. their terrible arts onto or, us. Yeah.
0: Or or being <laughs> embarrassing or humiliate themselves. Like it's just uh it's very it's a risk. Like that's why, like, you know, being ambitious about something is generally very scary because you don't know if it's the right thing to do just by virtue of the fact that you desire it. Just because you desire something doesn't mean that it should have like I said, like anything is possible, but not everything is permissible. Like should we really yeah. be permitting a bunch of people to like arising rising into power just on arbitrary virtues? Like, I don't know.
1: Right. You just gotta like trust. You have to trust the process.
0: You have to trust the process. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: and at, at, you know, there's going to be things that collapse on the way and downfalls and but it's ultimately leading to something much bigger than ourselves. Yeah. I hope.
0: Yeah, definitely. Sometimes I get like, so ahead of myself. Like I was doing all of this calculating. If I get this salary, then I'm going to be able to get this apartment. then I was doing like all these different calculations on different lifestyles that I can live. And I was just like, whatever, like, I'll, I'm sure I'll be in debt some way like in any form at any given time so it doesn't matter like may as well just you know roll with the punches and be a dusty a dusty like tumbleweed actress in the desert
1: (laughs) yeah and then and then and then something cosmic is gonna happen yeah
0: the stars will align completely not like see it coming that's always when shit happens like when you do not expect it and like exactly and also i feel like when you expect things like when you do see things for yourself you're more likely to get disappointed
1: yeah which is why Macbeth (laughs) happened
0: which is why i know nobody should have ever gone to college i'm just kidding but seriously or
1: talk to or talk to any prophet witches
0: yeah seriously (laughs) like yeah magic and like witches and stuff and it's interesting king james the first he was really in i mean he went to many uh witch trials in his time he also was sort of obsessed with witches and prophecies in that way i mean
1: i am so yeah. <laughs> obsessed with like prophecy but i know like i have to keep it in perspective
0: yeah you just you have to keep it in perspective because this is always like when people like tell you about like some prophecy it's so centered around your place in the prophecy and your place and but it's like, it doesn't really have anything to do with you and things are just going to happen the way that they're going to happen. Like the world doesn't revolve around us. So, um, and the universe doesn't owe us anything. I mean, yeah. And that's like, that's why I feel like the most, uh, like power hungry people, that's when they get angry and then they start to like, Really, be evil. I mean, I feel like any person who's like a politician is essentially an evil thespian because they have to drum up some kind of drama so they can ascend into power.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: basically. I mean, a- it, AOC,
1: like, yeah, is a theater kid.
0: <laughs> well, like, yeah, because it does take some level of putting on a show, a little bit of deception, saying the right things at the right time. So it totally makes sense to have an actors approach to um you know p- placing yourself in a succession of power
1: right yeah. i love that nicholas cage is bringing thespian back yeah into bring the, it bring
0: it back definitely bringing
1: it back into the vernacular yes yeah, along with our podcast it's just know, gonna ser- be
0: i'm saying like there used to be a much oh march uh a much larger discourse about it sounds very pretentious, but there used to be a large, opulent, like fabulous, uh, discourse <laughs> about being like a quote unquote classically trained actor or being a quote unquote thespian. Even though it's like all mostly fake, there that used to be like a huge talking point on like inside the actor studio. Like I know, even if it's, I miss that
1: show so much. I know
0: I watch it all the time, but like. There used to be sort of this feeling about this pseudo-intellectual aspiration about actors where you thought even though they're all like very dumb and they're just very naturalistic and kind of just bring some charisma of their own to a project um, there used to be at least some sort of charade where they would just like talk and pontificate about the the process and the story and how, you know, there used yeah. to be some kind of fabulous like aspiration associated with uh, an intellectual aspiration um associated with acting. But now it's just like there's so many everyone's an actor, I guess.
1: <laughs> I know. Well, and like we need something like natural to rise up, I feel like. Something like like I've been looking at Sarah Bernhardt a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And like and her like how like everybody was like so enamored with her golden voice they didn't even know what she was saying in the french but just hearing her talk mm-hmm. was was magical to them and i'm like that's something and that's something that has to like that that natural and she was always in your faith like people would ask like oh was she like a feminist before like feminism <laughs> happened and it's like no like her person like her persona was just like being in your face and like trying to get what you like what she needed and what she wanted and
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, I just I want that that's that energy to come back for
0: actors yeah and I I mean that's why I have such an obsession with Maria Callis because um when you watch her interviews, she basically only talks about singing. She's like, "This is what I do. I don't know about anything else. I don't care about anything else. Uh, All I can tell uh, you is that I practice for like eight hours a day, and then I just do the same thing over and over again, and that's what I do. Like, that's no." Because she has deal. a work
1: ethic. Yeah, yeah she just has a
0: work ethic, and it's just it's something that comes naturally to her. She doesn't have to really over intellectualize it. Um, but she's like, Yeah, this is like what I do, this is my thing. And like a lot of actors now they feel like they have this need to uh disclose that they actually have much more dimensions and they're more than just an actor, they're a human being, they're humanitarian, they care about blah blah blah. Uh, and I'm like, yeah. I just want to hear specifically about the actual process. Like, even if I was watching like an actor that was on like an episode of Euphoria or something, like something stupid. I just want to at least hear about like even if it's something as simple as like, oh, I just memorize some lines and then I practice it a little, like anything would be fine. (laughs) Like people don't really sort of like talk about that, I guess. And I don't know. I just like, there's, I want there to be more mystique and like more excitement about the ritual of performing because it is very, yeah. yeah, the profession, the ritual of performing. Like, I feel like everyone should have like a very blue collar approach to acting because- it's just something that people do. People do every day. And, (laughs) you know, if you've read all, you can like read all of the books, you can read all, you can do all the studies, but at the end of the day, it's just for a certain kind of person, really. You just have to have either have it or you don't, honey. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like that needs to come back.
0: Yeah. Cause there are so many people where I like, I can tell that they're maybe they don't have it, but they're, you know, they, just like play a character over and over again. But I don't know, there's some people like, there needs to be more of a hierarchy. Like, I, I just feel like people don't have Definitely. the guts or they, they're not, uh, they don't want to look too self-important. But uh, I, I don't know, there was something to, to, it used to be like something that you would say like, oh, blah, 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 is a classically trained actor. <laughs> like there was some romantic aspect about that, I think. Yeah. But I know, but I guess now everyone goes to acting school, so it doesn't matter.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They're getting their training in everyday life.
0: <laughs> exactly. So, but yeah, I don't know. I'm excited about this year. I Every single year, I'm just like, oh, I want to do some acting stuff. And then it never works out. So, but I, I feel confident about this year. <laughs> um,
1: I do too. I feel I like something, I feel good good things about it yeah
0: well if it's not this year like I always hate it when people are like oh this year I'm gonna do this well a year is pretty short in the long run so I usually just like to uh, procrastinate so just so I don't get disappointed (laughs) if it doesn't happen within a year I'm like oh in the next five years something will happen which is not technically wrong because things you usually do undergo some kind of change every five years so that yeah. way I won't be wrong.
1: <laughs> um, so we wanted to like change our sign off <laughs> for the new year. Yeah, but- We're feeling, we're, we're feeling inspirations and. Yeah. It's, what, wait, so what
0: are we, what are we going to say now?
1: What is <laughs> well, thank you to the thought topics. Host. Oh yeah.
0: Seriously. Thank you. Yes. That Shout out we're... local, local Chicago Midwestern, we we love that seriously. There's not enough of that out there.
1: I know. We're gonna end the show by saying, and scene and, and
0: scene, yeah.
1: <laughs> so, and scene
0: and scene.